The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform and promises to be the next frontier for human experiences on the internet. Into the Metaverse covers companies, technologies, and trends that are bringing these promises to life. Welcome to Into the Metaverse, where we help make sense of the metaverse through deep interviews with the brilliant minds who build, create for, and invest in the metaverse. I'm Jane Bernhard, and today I'm here to introduce you to an exciting new segment on the podcast called Into the Metaverse Marketing. The purpose of this new segment is to become the leading destination to learn about the next generation of marketing in the metaverse, the intersection of branding and gaming, and how interactive experiences and communities are the marketing of the future. With more and more brands entering metaverse-like experiences, we thought it was a timely cutting-edge topic that would inspire and inform the audience on what different companies are doing in the space and what this means for both creators and consumers. I'm excited to be the host of this new segment. A little bit about me, I'm currently a second year MBA at Columbia Business School, focusing my studies in the metaverse and gaming. I spent my summer MBA internship working on metaverse strategy at PlayStation Studios. I'm passionate about the future of technology and the metaverse. Joining me today is someone you all know, Jonathan Raz Friedman. Jan is founder and CEO of Super Social, a metaverse company that develops and publishes cutting edge virtual worlds on Roblox and other emerging platforms. Its business platform, which includes a development studio and publishing services, enables world-class brands and IP owners, as well as its owned IP, to enter the metaverse through a smart and distinctive strategy and unmatched product quality. Jan is also the creator, publisher, and host of Into the Metaverse, a leading podcast and newsletter where anyone can learn about the metaverse. Jan, I think it is definitely time to turn the tables and interview you on Super Social and your view on brands in the metaverse. I'm excited to start. Jan, welcome to Into the Metaverse Marketing. Thank you, Jane. Welcome to the show, both as a host and also for this recording today. Really excited to be here and talk about brands and all the possibilities for brands in the metaverse. I'm excited as well. And as always, everything discussed on the podcast is not financial advice. Content is strictly educational. Okay, let's dig in. As we begin to figure out what marketing means for the metaverse, the first question I'll be asking every guest is, what does the metaverse mean to you? And what does the metaverse mean for brands? The metaverse for us at Super Social is really the evolution of the internet into an even more immersive internet, moving from 2D to 3D, meaning that we are going to be embedded inside these virtual worlds. It's going to encompass a much, much wider environment of the internet, not just video games. The second thing is that it's going to be even more expressive because we are going to manifest our personality through 3D avatars that are running around these virtual worlds, interacting on our behalf. It's going to be even more expressive in terms of our personal expression, creative expression, and especially because we're going to be embedded in these worlds as an avatar, we're going to have a sense of presence that is greater than any other application or modality of interface in the internet today. And then the third is that we're talking about virtual spaces that are going to be hyperscale, which means that they're also going to be hypersocial. And so our ability to be embedded in these new environments with a sense of presence because of a 3D avatar, we're also going to do that with hundreds and thousands and potentially millions of more people congregating in one space at a time. 
For example, already today, you can have a server on Roblox in one game world where up to 700 people can be there in one server. So think about what happens when you can be 7,000, 700,000, maybe 7 million people in one virtual world present together. There's massive ramification for that because there's never been a time also physically where you can congregate in one place, millions of people and actually be able to interact with millions of people in real time. And so that's pretty phenomenal. And then I would put that in the context of these network of virtual worlds. There's sort of the metaverse maximalism would be that these are all part of a network of virtual worlds that comprises the metaverse in a way that is also interoperable, meaning I can carry my identity and my digital assets with me from one place to another, right? Imagine jumping from one website to another website and carry all of your data and assets from one place to another. That's a big promise of what the metaverse should enable. And so if we take that sort of bottom line of a network of virtual worlds that are interoperable, that are hyper-connected, that are creating a sense of presence and sense of expression and a sense of socializing with many, many more people in real time, now let's think about what could it mean for brands? Because we're looking at new forms of expression, new forms of immersion and storytelling, new forms of hyper-social communication, brands will have opportunities to completely reimagine what experiences they can create with their community. How do you develop a community in this virtual world? How do you interact with personalities and identities that actually don't have an email address, don't have a name, you may interact with an avatar with a pseudonym, a different type of face that is not a real face, and also potentially with a blockchain wallet or whatever that, that may be, right? And so how do you even build a community and interact with people? And you're starting to see that already today on Discord when you build communities. People don't really know who they are, but you're building a community of highly passionate people. So that's one thing. I think the second thing is what does it mean for your products? Today, brands that sell physical products, they are really focused on selling that physical product. So there's two elements there. One is, how do you think about what the virtual manifestation of your product looks like in the metaverse? If we're talking about a network of virtual world where there are going to be millions of avatars that are exploring and expressing themselves in these persistent virtual spaces, there's going to be opportunities, not just for existing brands to create completely new product lines that are purely virtual, but also for new brands to create metaverse native brands. So who, who is going to build the first virtual Chanel? Who is going to build the first virtual Estee Lauder, right? And so on and so forth, right? And so there's going to be a lot of metaverse native brands that are coming up over the next decade, I believe, because we're going to really spend enormous amount of time in these virtual spaces and as avatars and not just young people. I think it's going to be a really globally appealing environment. And then on the flip side, it's not just how do you create a product strategy that is virtual first, but also how do you build experiences virtually that are also connected to the physical realm? And that's one thing I think I want to highlight, which I wrote about a few months ago, the real and the unreal, where really talking about the intersection of the virtual and the physical in a way that really can unleash the true potential of what a metaverse could become. 
And I think that's important because I don't envision and I don't want to help create a metaverse that is isolated from the rest of the world. I think as people, as humans, we want touch, we want to have a feeling and connection with tangible things and with real people physically. I think that's important. And I think the metaverse should amplify and be amplified by our physical existence and not create this dystopian parallel universe that is completely disconnected from reality. I think that would be a complete miss of an opportunity and wouldn't do justice to the promise of the metaverse. And so going back to the brands, what are these virtual worlds that you're building, that you're integrating yourself into? How can they fit back into your strategy, into the products that you're building in real life and how these technologies can coexist together to build better customer loyalty, more engaged communities, and ultimately an even wider product portfolio that can reimagine what the brand creates in the long term. Thank you for that context. It's exciting to hear about the massive opportunity that there is in the space. I'm sure marketers are going to be excited to listen to this episode. I'm wondering if you could speak to where you got your inspiration in the space. Was there a specific moment you realized marketing and tech were becoming more interlinked? And why did you decide to start Super Social? The genesis for Super Social had nothing to do with marketing and it had nothing to do with marketers. It had everything to do with human behavior. I recall really sitting down early 2020, COVID just started, wasn't even yet something that people fully realize what it is. I, I'm talking about early March. And this is where the epiphany happened, where it connected my entire journey as an entrepreneur over the past decade, building several companies that are focused on using technology to create tools and experiences for creativity and self-expression and seeing the journey of how these new virtual worlds platforms like Minecraft and Roblox really started to take off in 2012, 2013, when I started my company, Kano Computing. And so I've been on that journey since 2012 of seeing where this new generation, these, these kids, right? Under 15, under 12 year olds, where did they spend their time? And you could see very naturally the gravitation toward these 3D virtual worlds, but unlike when I was a kid and when I played video games, 3D or not, it was really more about playing the video game. And also most of these games were not multiplayer. They were one person games because you know, internet was not around yet. And so suddenly with Roblox and Minecraft, what I realized is that this is not about games. It's actually a social movement. It's the new social network where these kids play games, but really what they do, they socialize, they interact, et cetera, et cetera. And over the past decade, you know, these kids grew up. They're no longer kids, but their behavior remains the same. They still go to Fortnite. They still go to Minecraft. They still go to Roblox. And they do that because this is where they make friends. This is where they hang out with their existing friends. And this is where they live at the intersection of video game communication and a social network. And I think that is what's really profound about what we've seen over the past decade. And so early 2020, it kind of dawned on me that COVID is basically causing billions of young people. I think about 2 billion people at one point were out of school and in their homes around the world, 2 billion people. That's like a quarter of the world population. So the number was just, I remember seeing it on like a UNICEF website, right? And I was like, oh my God, like this is it. And it wasn't, oh my God, this is so exciting. It was COVID and it was quite traumatic, of course, for so many people, but it dawned on me that this is the going to be an accelerant for that human behavior that we've seen with kids and gamers primarily. 
And I believe that this is going to be the next big thing. I believe that virtual world are going to be the next big modality of human experience on the internet, going from websites to Facebook pages to iPhone apps and virtual worlds in 3D that are device agnostic is going to be the next modality. And I wanted to start Super Social to build the most groundbreaking, the most iconic virtual worlds and experiences for the metaverse starting on a platform that is Roblox. And gradually with that core vision, we started seeing opportunities of how we can not only build our own IP, but also start working with world-class brands and helping those brands come into a platform like Roblox with a bold creativity, really a exceptional product quality. We've been building on both of these product activities since we started Super Social and, and, and have been primarily focusing on the Roblox platform as part of our wider long-term multi-year metaverse vision. Amazing. I'd love to dig even deeper into your personal work in the area and Super Social. I want to know more about your partnership with NARS Cosmetics, which was extremely successful. Could you walk the audience through the project? How do you go about creating a world for your brand that people will want to interact in? So first, I think that with NARS Cosmetics, we found a really phenomenal partner who is innovative at the forefront of where technology is going and how technology can impact their brand and their communities and very open-minded and excited about the possibilities of how Roblox can unlock that next wave of consumer engagement and community development. We've been working very closely with the NARS cosmetic teams in bringing NARS Color Quest to life. It was not only our first kind of brand world partnership where we plan and build and launch and operate fully the experience on the Roblox platform, but also really pushing the boundaries on what's possible on the Roblox platform when it comes to self-expression and translating the brand values and what the brand care about into a virtual world and an experience that is going to be fantastic, that is going to be engaging, that is going to be fun. And I think, and that is going to be rewarding also for the people who come into the experience. And I think to a large extent, what I think brands and marketers need to keep in mind at the moment is that a lot of the virtual worlds that we're seeing now, they do look a bit like a video game, like a persistent game world in 3D with a game loop, with the motivation of what do you give players and people to engage and come back to your experience. I don't want to go as far and say that everything in the future when it comes to consumer experiences will feel like a game right? Because I think a video game is a very complex endeavor. I think a lot of what we're going to continue and see over the next few years will revolve around video games, which means that when you're coming into a platform like Roblox and you're building your own virtual world or a brand activation on the Roblox platform, <clears throat> because of the nature of the platform that is still primarily around play and gameplay, you really need to make sure that you're creating something that is fun. And what does fun mean? Fun means that we really look at what works on the platform. What are the type of experiences that players and users engage with and find fun and meaningful? What are the things that are going to be authentic to the platform, right? How do you take advantage of something that is 3D, something that is very social, right? Roblox is innately a social platform. How do you take advantage of the sense of immersion and embeddedness of the avatar in the world? And ultimately, how do you give players and users constantly the reasons to 
not only visit your world once, but how do you get them to come back again and again and again? And so it needs to be fun. It needs to be meaningful. It needs to give them things that they feel like appreciated when they come into the experience. Avatar goods and UGC items play a very significant role in in engagement mechanics and, and excitement by users and players on the Roblox platform. And so that is where really strategizing and creating a cohesive plan of what are we building? Why is it going to work? Why would the community find it exciting? Why would they come back, right? And answering all of these why, 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 why questions, I think that's really the work to be done. And what at Super Social, I think we do really, really well and are excited when we partner with the most ambitious brands. And when you were creating the world, did you have a primary goal? Was it engagement, community? Was it revenue? What was at the forefront of the purpose? Well, I think that monetization is always part of the mix of matrix and KPIs. I do, however, think that at this stage, both for the worlds we're building and what we recommend also brands in general is to really focus on the brand awareness, really building a relationship with the community because we believe that if you build the relationship with the community and you create a virtual world that is engaging and exciting that people want to come back to, they will ultimately also spend money on those, right? It's like any product. People need to feel like they want to engage with the brand. They want to buy the product. And I think in a virtual world at the moment, primarily on Roblox, it's obviously virtual goods revenue. And so monetization is not the import most important KPI. It's definitely part of the mix. And so typically where we focus on attention on matrix is community development, brand awareness, really building an experience that people will just ultimately want to come and visit, want to stay and play and engage and want to come back. These are the three things that are the most important and do it in the context of the brand values. And can you speak to the success of the project? How successful was it? And what do you think made it so successful? The main KPI that we can share that is also available publicly that we are able to disclose about the experience is obviously the visits or the play sessions. This is another way of looking at it, which is essentially how many activations and visits from users have been into the experience. And so we've crossed 40 million in NARS ColorQuest, which to be honest is, I, can say, I can't say how much with the original goal, but we've outperformed completely the original goal. We've made NARS ColorQuest one of the best performing brand worlds ever launched on the Roblox platform in less than three months. And so the number have been really, really fantastic. And I mean, think about 40 million. 40 million is almost like I would say between 40 to 50% of the viewership of a Super Bowl ad. And so you can think of almost like NARS ColorQuest or any other brand world that Super Social is building as a persistent Super Bowl ad that is at a fraction of the price and the time to build and create a Super Bowl ad, right? And so that's like a V1, I think, of what we're seeing now. And I think as Super Social to really build experiences for relatively older demographics, like above 13. And so we're really skewing our the worlds and the experiences we're building for the above 13 age groups. We think that's where a lot of the growth is, is going to happen and where we can really build meaningful communities that also grow and stay with the brand or with the IP. However, we do that in a way that doesn't really alienate the younger demographics. And so we want to make sure that we build virtual world that are truly inclusive. And I think so far we've seen a pretty diverse age demographics that interact 
both with NARS ColorQuest, but also with our other brand, with our other projects and experiences that we've built on the Roblox platform. And it's true that Roblox is very much skewed at the moment toward the under 24-year-old age demographic, maybe even under 18 to a large extent. It's definitely aging up consistently, which is fantastic. Um, I think it will be really interesting to see how the age demographics on Roblox continue to evolve, how much the platform can continue and attract and retain older demographics. I think that's going to be very, very important. And content and the type of experiences that are built on the platform are going to play a really instrumental role in attracting and retaining those those audiences, which I think would also be more appealing to a much larger network of brands, right? There aren't many brands that want to specifically target quote unquote kids. And so I think making sure that brands that want to target above 13, above 18, above 24 can really start looking at the Roblox platform as a very relevant destination. And I think it's starting to happen. I did play NARS Color Quest and I thought it was very fun. And one thing I thought was very interesting was I was looking on Twitter and it seemed like there were a lot of people who were posting pictures of their avatars and of themselves in the physical world to look like their avatar. I'm wondering if you could speak to the convergence of the physical and digital worlds and if you had that at the forefront of your thinking when you were creating the world. We didn't think it will necessarily happen. We were curious about what are some of those interjections of virtual and physical that could happen. But seeing a tweet where, you know, where a young woman shows her avatar inside Nars ColorQuest with the makeup look of her avatar, because we've created the first innovative feature called Lookbook that allowed full face customization of avatar inside Roblox. And so you could see her avatar and then she also showed a photo, and there were several of them who showed a photo of how their real life, <clears throat> their real life identity looks like with the actual makeup product in real life. And they kind of showed it one next to the other. And so that's definitely something that captivated our imagination in, wow, this is powerful. That's the intersection that I was talking about earlier, right? Jane is about how the virtual and physical come together because we seek that, we want that. We're humans. We want to show who we are also in real life. And I think that was just a perfect example of the power of expressing yourself initially as an avatar and bringing it to the real life. But also I think there could be things that happen exactly the opposite. You start IRL and you bring it to the metaverse. And this is definitely what we want to create more. This is definitely where we believe the space is going. And I envision there's going to be much more innovation on that front. I'm curious, now that people are engaging with brands instead of watching passively, what are the considerations that you have to have when delivering customer experiences in an immersive format, as opposed to someone just watching something passively? I think the first thing is that we need to keep in mind that these are people. Right. And I think that we need to build experiences that are respectful, that people don't take advantage of, that people don't get to be nasty to one another. And I think it's really important to be building it in platforms that have very strong moderation. We want to create virtual world and experiences that are safe and that are trustworthy, that are also exciting, that are inclusive, where every, everyone feel like they have a space in them. And that starts all the way from the beginning, right? In the design of the experience. For example, in one of our original IP products, Gustopia, where you need to build and decorate and expand your haunted mansion in the city of Gustopia, we created this 
incredible department store called Freight Kia, and where you purchase all sorts of decorative items, etc. And the shopkeeper, their name is Z, and they're gender neutral, right? They're non-binary individuals. And that was a design decision. He wanted to incorporate inclusivity and diversity into the characters of the game world. And so this is really decisions that you make at the design stage to make sure that you're building something with clear values and you need to define those values. And so I think because we're looking at spaces and virtual world where people are embedded in a much more immersive way, it really feels more like in real life where you're in a physical surrounding, you, you have a sense of presence Everything is exacerbated, right? Your personality, the way you look and feel, you interact with people, you chat with people. It feels like you really are there with these people, psychologically speaking. And so it's really important that we build environment that take advantage of those technologies and all of the pillars that I've described of what makes a metaverse experience a metaverse experience, right? The immersiveness, the expressiveness, and the socialization piece and making sure that we take advantage in a meaningful way, in a positive way to elevate human spirit versus taking advantage of those technologies to bring people down or create opportunities for people to harm one another. I think there's going to be a lot of bad actors in the metaverse. We're seeing it already. And I think for our side, we want to make sure that we're building these virtual world and experiences that really help create a meaningful and a safe metaverse. In creating your strategy, it seems like gaming companies play a large role. Would you agree with that? And can you speak to why gaming companies are at the forefront of the metaverse conversation today? Well, I think gaming companies have been at the forefront of technology <clears throat> for a few decades, right? Gaming as a sector has always been ahead of the curve, right? I think you had internet connected or network connected Nintendo game consoles, like in the early nineties, Nintendo already tried to create a network of experiences that you can access and play with one another. And then Nvidia with their GPUs, right? And so driving gaming innovation has always been at the forefront of consumer technology. And so it's not surprised that gaming is at the forefront of the metaverse. There's another piece, which is at the moment, these metaverse quote unquote experiences, these virtual worlds are primarily initially coming from games, right? It's about play experiences. It's about games. It's about interaction. It's about doing things that are fun. And it's not a bad word. It's not, I think of it more like as play versus games. It's recreational. You come in, you play, you do things that are fun. When people talk about, oh, you know, in all these new blockchain-based platforms like the Central End and Sandbox and maybe others, there's not much to do because the metaverse is not just about hanging out and coming to a virtual space. If you don't have people, in this virtual space, then you don't have something to do. And why would people come? People would come in because they want to enjoy, they want to socialize, they want to play, they want to do something together. What do you do when you come together, when you bring together, when you come together with your friends? You probably sit down and eat a, a pizza. You probably play a card game, a card, a cardboard game, or maybe video games, or you go to a movie, right? And so with people as friends, we always do something. And so I think it's very natural that Video game is a social activity, especially in the era of the internet. Video games became a social activity, it already became a social network that is almost like accidentally revolved around games. And I think that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the first incarnation of metaverse worlds and metaverse experiences that are really focused on, okay, play 
is the first use case of a metaverse experience. And that's why video games is such a natural use case and a natural entry into the metaverse. But I think it will evolve to many, many more things. And it could well be that play will always be a core aspect of what you do in the metaverse. But there are going to be many, many more use cases, music, learning, entertainment, other forms of socialization, shopping. But definitely in the next few years, I still believe that games and gaming will continue to be a core use case of what you do in metaverse worlds and who is building those metaverse worlds. I couldn't agree more. I'd love to switch gears and dig into the psychology of the purpose of metaverse experiences for brands. What do brands get out of entering metaverse spaces? Look, we are at the very nascent stage of this evolution of the internet, right? From 2D to 3D, these highly expressive, highly social, highly immersive spaces. And it's a new modality. It's a new paradigm. And so I think at the moment, it's all about coming in and finding the level of financial investment you're willing to put in to experiment, to see what it actually means, to build a few things, to start building the community, building the relationship with the audience, understanding what it all means and how it could really inform and impact the brand. This is the stage we're at. And I think there's never been a better time. It's all very raw. It's all very new. And at the moment, it's all about, as we spoke earlier, it's all about experimentation, building a community, but coming in with a really refined and clear strategy of what you want to do, why are you doing it, why this particular platform, what success looks like, and really making sure that you have a clear plan of what it is, why you're doing it, what success looks like, and making sure that can then feed into the bigger business strategy of your brand and take it from there. I don't think anyone really, really know what the space is going to look like in three to five years. And I believe day in, day out of experimentation, being at the forefront, at the bleeding edge of what's new, that's the way to learn. That's the way to get in. And that's the way to ultimately make sure that you are going to do things in the right way for your brand. But if you're not going to do anything, you're obviously not going to learn. So you can sit on the sidelines and let the space shape up <clears throat> and potentially lose an opportunity to be one of the early <clears throat> of this new frontier, losing an opportunity to build relationships with the community and also losing an opportunity to experiment and learn by doing, because that's going to be the best way to do is to learn by doing and being in there and building a bunch of experiences and immersing yourself in the space. That's why we are so adamant about really putting together a plan and a strategy that is meaningful for the brand. I think about it almost like a strategically opportunism. Now that we've talked about the brand side, what about the audience? What do you want the audience to get out of a super social partnership? What do you want them to think and feel when they've finished with an experience? Well, I hope they never finish with an experience. I hope they will always want to be part of the experience. But the, what we're focusing on is really, and again, it doesn't matter if it's our own IP or working with brands or IP owners. It's really about building experiences that are a manifestation of creating a community of people who are really excited about the world. They feel like there is a reason for them to come in. There is a reason for them to engage and play. And we want them to be amazed. We want them to feel like this is the most incredible, the most groundbreaking, the most cutting edge experience that they've seen with stunning graphic, fun gameplay, opportunities to socialize. 
and really feeling that being there, playing, socializing, engaging makes them feel better, makes them feel happy. That's ultimately what the purpose. And one thing that we've talked a bit about is the value of digital items and how people are buying digital items in these experiences. I'm wondering if you could speak to the skeptics out there who wonder what the value of these items and experiences are when they aren't physical and you can't bring it with you outdoors, something like that. What do you think the value is there? I mean, it's a human need. Anyone who is skeptic about, skeptic about why virtual goods is important probably never purchased an outfit or a t-shirt or jeans or a house or a car. Why do we do all these things? Why do we go out and buy a new makeup product? Why do we buy a hat? Why do we buy shoes? We buy them, one, because it's practical, right? In real life, we don't want to walk barefoot and we want to wear clothes. I get it. But we also do that to a large extent today for expression, to express ourselves. When I wear a t-shirt, when I buy a sneaker, when I go to a movie, when I purchase some decorative item for my Hama office, I do it to express myself. I do it to portray an image of what I care about, who I am as a person. That's a human need. Brands came over the last 100, 200 years and created the emotional resonance of why people would care about a product so much more than the practical value of the product, but more about the story and the narrative. Nike. You don't just buy shoe, you buy shoe because, you know, just do it, right? You want to be, you, you feel connected to that brand promise. And so there is an emotional thing that is added to the practical thing, which is why companies like Nike, like Apple became so successful over the last two decades, three decades. And so I don't think that's any difference in the metaverse. I think people are purchasing virtual goods. True. It starts with young people at the moment, but these young people are the future of humanity. And they're buying virtual goods because they do it exactly for the same reason, to express themselves. They do it because they don't have to, but they do it because they want to. And I think these are all micro opportunities for people to express themselves in these virtual worlds is the outfit that they purchase and their data to support it. One out of five daily active users on Roblox changes their avatar outfits every day. Every day. That's about 10 to 15 million people who change their avatar items every day. Every day, it's like real life. So right? So for a whole generation, changing avatar outfits as regular as real life, right? And so for all the skeptics out there, not only virtual goods and avatar customization is going to continue and be a massive frontier. I believe it's also going to be a multi-billion dollar industry with a lot of new brands that are completely metaverse natives. I think that's exciting. And we need to think about it from the human perspective, not just from, oh, you know, I don't get it. Well, maybe you don't get it, but there's a whole population around the world who have been born and grew up on these virtual worlds. And for them, expressing themselves through the way their avatar look behaves and potentially in the future feel is as important as their IRL identity. I agree. It definitely enables a lot of self-expression. We talked a lot about your successes in the space. Let's talk about some challenges. What challenges do you see and have you experienced in creating experiences in the space? Well, I think creating experiences is not a challenge in and of itself. I think creating something that, that is exciting, that is engaging, that is meaningful to the audience, that's going to continue and be you know, the biggest challenge. There are going to be millions of millions of creations and experiences and virtual worlds in the metaverse, just like websites. 
I think there's going to be a comparable to that in, in the metaverse. There's going to be millions of virtual worlds. And ultimately, just like everything in life, people will have a lot of noise and they're, we're going to, they're going to have to filter what type of experiences they want to go for. And I think ultimately, whatever, if you're a brand and if you're not a brand or if you're a new brand, creating a virtual world, a virtual experience that gives people a reason to come, a reason to stay, a reason to invite their friends and a reason to spend money in those virtual worlds. Ultimately, that will continue to be the biggest and the greatest challenge. And because we're talking about things that are persistent, that are always on with live operations, with gameplay experiences, and because 3D worlds require such a complex combination of capabilities from art to production, to engineering, to design, it's going to require so many capabilities that creating something that is truly engaging as a virtual world in 3D is going to be much more complex to do at scale. And therefore, I think there's going to be a small selection of worlds and experiences that are very dominant, that are very successful, that become like the key town hall areas. And there's going to be a long tail of experiences that are more purpose-based, that are more niche. And so I think there's going to be room for everyone, but ultimately it's going to be about can you build something that is engaging, that is inviting, that people want to spend time and money on? That will continue to be the biggest challenge. And how do you do that in a safe way, in a trustworthy way, and in a meaningful way that elevates human spirit? That may or may not be something everyone cares about, but I think those are the experiences we want to create and, and coming to life. Let's look towards the future a little bit. What is your metaverse vision for the future of Super Social? Well, I think of Super Social from day one as a company that really builds and focuses on building cutting edge virtual worlds with, with content that engages, that empowers, that inspires digital communities. And I think of the type of work we do as building the most iconic virtual worlds of the future. You know, we've always had the ambition of building a Nintendo for the metaverse age, right? Meaning creating beloved, ever in, more engaging virtual worlds and content that just like we look at Super Mario today and say, I've loved Super Mario for three decades, four decades. We want to create the type of content that people can engage for a long time and that can really make an impact on on people and on future generations. And so the content is one piece. And we also want to make sure that we have incredible services to support the most ambitious brands who want to come into the metaverse and build persistent virtual worlds in the future. I think that sort of combination, that intersection of content and services, our studio and our publishing services, these are the type of thing that I believe will allow us to build one of the most exciting and important companies that operate in the metaverse in the next 10 to 20 years. I look forward to seeing that vision reach fruition. I'm curious how you stay ahead of the curve and the competition in terms of creating content that not only speaks to the brand, but engages young and new consumers in a world that is constantly bombarded with so much content nowadays. Well, it's only going to get worse because technology is continuing to take more and more areas of our attention. I believe in the next 10 years, we'll have touch surfaces that are computational, that are internet connected everywhere around us, our windows, our cars, our devices, of course, potentially even embedded, embedded computational devices that makes us almost like semi-cyborgs. So I think technology will continue and be around us all the time. And so I think at the end of the day, there's two things that I believe are important. The first one, again, is to make sure that we are creating connectivity to IRL that we are creating the connectivity of how the virtual worlds and our 
real world is connected together and creating that symbiotic relationship over time in a meaningful way, I believe is important. And then the second thing that I believe is important is to really push ourselves and make sure that the virtual worlds that we're building are going to be purposeful, are going to be meaningful, are going to be exciting for people, are going to make people feel good. I think a lot of the issues we have with the internet today and what happened with social media, it doesn't really make us feel good. And I just read an article yesterday that there was early research of how Facebook already in the early days of Facebook made a lot of people feel bad about themselves. And so you know, I think we need to really make sure we don't repeat the same mistakes. How do we do that? There's a lot of people, there's a lot of stakeholders that need to engage and contribute. But because we're talking about an internet that is more expressive, more immersive, and even more social, whatever the issues we had in Web 2.0 and social media are going to be exacerbated in the metaverse. And I think we need to really take a strong stand on how do we make sure that we do not let that happen. Or if it happens, we have a really good plan of how the relevant stakeholders, if it's consumers, if it's businesses, and if it's the government, how do all of these stakeholders work together to ensure that while there could be bad actors and bad acts, in general, we're going to build a safe and trustworthy and meaningful metaverse. And I think that's going to be a massive, massive, massive challenge. Thank you for sharing that. And I agree. As a final question, as we're wrapping up, I like to ask this of every guest, what kind of impact do you want your company and brand to have on the world? Our long-term purpose is to help build a meaningful metaverse, a metaverse that makes people feel good about themselves, a metaverse that is inclusive, a metaverse that is prosperous where everyone can have a skin in the game, no pun intended. And so that's what we want to accomplish. That's my message to brands, to marketers, and to anyone thinking about the metaverse and let alone want to collaborate with a company like Super Social. That's our purpose, to build, to help build the meaningful metaverse. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and thanks for having me. Thank you, Jane. It was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Into the Metaverse. We hope you learned a lot and explored new aspects of the metaverse.